Oh, yeah, we played. <laughs> which is great. Y'all keep on coming, keep on coming. Um, we're so glad that you were here this morning. For those of you who are online, we're so glad that you've joined us too. If you're online and want to come to our fundraiser at 11 o'clock, you can still do that. Um, we would love that. Um, so uh, before we get things started, uh, we're, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, I, I know I come in every Sunday kind of pumped, kind of excited, but I need to realize that I need to settle down a little bit just so I can focus a little bit more on what God has for me in this time. And, and I pray that that's the same case for us. So I'm going to pray for us, and then our praise band will lead us in worship. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much just for who you are. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you have given us. Um, thank you for allowing us to be here in this time, in this moment together as a family of worship here. Um, I just pray whatever is going on in our hearts, um, whatever is going on in our minds and our spirits in this time that's trying to distract us, we, we give that to you. God, because we want to be open to all that you have for us today and every day. Help us to uh, be listening and to be in tune with your spirit in this place today. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's worship.
myself's best gift divine to the world so freely give for that great great love Be the problem right there. Please be seated. 
Welcome to Main Street on this autumn Sunday where there's a little crisp edge in the air and the humidity's low enough that you're not feeling like you need to put oxygen on when you go outside. So we're just really glad that all of everybody's here and enjoying um, life and worship together. We just have a few folks we want to remember today in prayer. Um, Dudley Dearman, we want to continue to remember him and his uh, cancer treatment. Tim Cole, who is our drummer and doing really well, we want to pray for his continued health and total healing. We want to pray for the Royals family, um, Zach and Katie, but also his parents that they're living with and taking care of. So just remember all of them. Um, if you are all on Facebook with Sarah Catherine Wallace, um, she rang the bell ending her uh, chemo treatments this week and begins radiation therapy. So we celebrate with her the ending of one phase and the beginning of another. And then our own Wanda Walls Hawthorne, who's been in our nursery for over 30 years, had a CT scan this week, and I don't think she yet has the results. So we want to remember her. Are there people you want to list today as we pray together? Carla Hogan. Say it again. Carla Hogan. Carla Hogan. Dr. Whitehead. Dr. Whitehead. Well, let's pray together using the prayer on the screen. Almighty God, grant that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as Christ loves us. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, we offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please stand and let's continue in worship. I need my 
here for just one moment and we'll talk for just a second and then we have to go upstairs good morning Roland how are you what you got an owl that's cool all right wonderful well how many of you have like a calendar that's similar to this maybe at your house or maybe in your classroom something like that where the where you keep up with things right and you may have a planner in your binder where you can write what your work is if you're in big school you can write what you're what you're going to be doing and it's like a big calendar that's in your um in your binder well, we like to mark special things on our calendars, don't we? We like to keep track of fun things like vacations and holidays and birthdays. This one right here, there's all kinds of stars all around this one right here. Because, and it says Allie and Casey's wedding. And so that's like just two weeks away, three weeks away. Oh, gosh, yes, really. <laughs> Two weeks away, oh my. Okay, so, um, and sometimes we get a, a, a little um, thrown off when you look at a calendar and see when something's as close as it is, something really big. But, you know, sometimes we have something like a doctor's appointment on the calendar, and those aren't, aren't that fun to have to remember. But we can re it's good to be able to remember those things and not miss them. You know, I was planning to take a vacation with Mr. David next year. And so I pulled out this calendar and I have a problem. Why? No, this one says 2022, but we're going to do it next year. So what does that? So it would have to be. 2023 right so then I saw this one hanging back there and I thought well maybe this one I can do this one and I looked and this one's 2020 and 2021 so this one's not gonna help how come why is it not? it's expired right it's expired we can't use an expired calendar can we so like Roland said, when you get close to the end of the school, uh, school year, when you get close to the end of the year, these calendars that say 2022 start going on sale, right? And 
by just a little bit into 2023, you don't see anything that says 2022 anymore. They pretty much have tossed those because they're not going to sell them because we would have no use for them. Those days have already passed, right? Now, if we think about our past, think about things that have happened in the past, I bet that there are some things that every one of us, even you guys, wish that we could just forget. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes Reese says. So, um, maybe, maybe we did something we knew we shouldn't have done. Or maybe we made a mistake. If I told you about all the things that I had done where I'd made a mistake... It would be very embarrassing, just all the things that we have done. But so many times, Julia's very busy this morning, so many times we hold on to the things that we have done in the past. But we throw away old calendars, right? We throw away old calendars, but we hold on to our past mistakes, And we hold on to the things that we think that we've done that are wrong. But we don't have to do that, okay, if we believe in Jesus. The Bible says in Psalms, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So Jesus can just take it all away. We have to be willing to give it to him okay so we're gonna head upstairs and we're going to learn about or talk about another bible hero okay first let's pray that's a good idea all right let's bow our heads dear god help us to remember what the calendar has to teach us that the mistakes of our past don't need to stay with us today We only have to give it to Jesus. And in your name, we always pray. Amen. Amen. You may have just heard the sermon right there. I'm I'm happy to be home with you. Um, I was gone for the past two weeks and um, went to check on an aunt and uncle of mine who live in Washington, D.C. They... It's my dad's only sibling, and um, I lived with them in my 20s, and they don't have no children, so um, I am their child if they have one, and so I went to check on them, and they're hanging in there. Um, today, we're going to be looking at a text, um, but before we do, let's, let's do the statement of faith. I, I think I need it today. So if you would, Forrest, while you're finding the statement of faith, let's, let's speak this together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus as the word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. 
we are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. I think, you know, people say, why do we do creeds? Because we really don't often really remember what we believe. And this helps us to kind of touch that again. Today we're looking at a, a parable that's really the most confusing, in my opinion, of all of Jesus' parables. This is found in Luke 16, the first 13 verses. And so if you would read the odd-numbered verses, I'll read the even. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? And he answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil, he said to him. Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? And he replied, a hundred containers of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of God for the people of God. You don't sound as excited about being thankful for that text. It's kind of a harder text to manage, isn't it? Let's pray together. Gracious God, um, bless us today as we look at this text. May we find something of you in it that we did not have when we came. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Um, this week, as I was studying for the sermon, I found 17 different interpretations of this parable. 17 and counting. There's even more. So, that, you know, the great thing about parables is there's usually multiple ways of seeing something. So we're going to strike out in a path today and see if we get there. <clears throat> There's an old story that you probably have heard before. A young man in Montana was buying a horse from another guy for a hundred bucks. And the farm, uh, farmer agreed to deliver the horse the next day. However, the next day arrived and the farmer did not deliver the horse. I'm afraid the horse has died, he explained. The young man said, well, then give me my money back. And the farmer said, I can't do that. I've already spent it. The young man thought for a moment and said, okay, then just bring me the dead horse. The farmer said, what are you going to do with the dead horse? I'm going to raffle it off. The farmer said, you can't raffle off a dead horse. The young man said, sure, I can. Watch me. I just won't tell anybody that he's dead. A month later, 
the farmer met up with the young man and said, what happened with the dead horse? And the young man said, I raffled it off. I sold 500 tick tickets at $2 a piece, and I netted a profit of $998. And the farmer said, did anybody complain? And the young man said, just the guy who won, so I gave him his $2 back. The desperate manager said, take your bill and make it 800 you know, that, So it doesn't sound that much difference in the raffle and the desperate manager, does it? <clears throat> this was an enter enterprising young man. We might even call him something of a con man. There's something about a con man that captures the human imagination. There have been several successful television shows through the years in which the hero is a former con man who uses his creative skills for the greater good in his new life. Um, Jesus once told a parable about a man with that kind of disposition. He too was something of a con man, and we just heard the story, and you've read this story probably a hundred times, or heard it read a hundred times in your lifetime. There was a rich man who had a manager for his estate. The manager, unfortunately, was a bit, bit lax in his oversight of his master's affairs. And the master finally decided he'd had enough. He called the manager in, told him he was finished, and demanded to, uh, an accounting of all of the expenditures. The terrified manager was beside himself with fear. What shall I do now, he wondered to himself. My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too proud to beg. And then he hatched a plan. He called each of his master's debtors in one at a time and asked, how much do you owe? And 800, and you heard the story, 800 gallons of olive oil, take your bill and make it 400. And then the other guy, how much do you owe? 1,000 bushels of wheat. Um, take your bill and make it 800. The guy's ethics were certainly out of whack. But his sense of survival was cooking in at full speed. He used his privileged position to buy himself some friends so that he would have somewhere to turn when he was out of a job. He was taking a risk, of course, the risk that his boss would have him thrown in jail, because debtor's prison was quite real in this era, by the way. <clears throat> That's what should have happened, of course, but this is Jesus' parable. And let's face it, Jesus sometimes thought outside the box, and so let's hear how Jesus ended the affair. The master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, said Jesus, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Some of the most confusing phraseology ever found in the Bible to me, that, those two or three sentences there. Did we hear that right? The master commended the dishonest manager. In most of Jesus' parables, the owner represents God. What does this mean? Does God like con men? That would be outrageous. We glamorize them, but the truth is they take advantage of weak and unsuspecting people. I suspect God despises con men and con women. However, for more than 2,000 years, conscientious people of faith have struggled with this parable, which is exactly, I think, what Christ intended for us, to wrestle with this. Jesus wants us to puzzle over his teachings. He wants us to stretch our minds and our spirits. That's how we grow. You know, we would rather have, you know, 
Um, generous man, good. Stingy man, bad. Right? We want, we want easy outcomes. But life is almost never that way. Right? We are all a mix of fabulous things and really horrible things. And this guy is too. Let's face it, many of us would rather have the easy path. There's some possible reasons why the master commended the dishonest manager in Jesus' story. First of all, Jesus liked people of action. And I want you to hear that. Jesus liked people of action. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, what made the Samaritan good? Did he keep all the commandments? Well, who knows, but we know that nobody could keep all the commandments. The fact that he was a Samaritan means he was slightly outside the main street of faith anyway. Did he subscribe to all the articles of Orthodox faith? Not not if he was a Samaritan, he wasn't. Remember, they had their own worship space outside of Jerusalem. What made him good? He saw a person in need and he did something. He was a man of action. Notice a priest walked by. You don't get much holier than that. But what did he do? He kept right on walking. A teacher of the law came by, a pillar of respectability in the community, the equivalent of deacons in the Baptist church or elders in the Methodist church. Or <clears throat> What did he do, right? Absolutely nothing. He walked right on past the guy. But this despised Samaritan saw a man who needed help, and he was moved to action. Jesus likes people of action. Jesus has enough hand ringers in the world. You know what I'm talking about. People who look at the world's problems and say, dear me, somebody ought to do something. Well, the truth is somebody ought to do something. We ought to do something. There are times that call for action. I think most of the time our lives are dominated by fear, but we've had it so long we, don't, we no longer recognize it as fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of making a mistake. Fear of what other people will think. So we move through life making ourselves as, as, as invisible as we can, doing as little as we can, not because we're bad, but we're just simply afraid. The, the dishonest steward was afraid, too. He was losing his job. By his own admission, he was not strong enough to dig, and he was ashamed to beg. What was he going to do? Well, he hatched himself a plan. He would call in the master's debtors and discount their debts, thereby making friends for himself that might do him a favor in return when he was out on the streets. Jesus praised him for taking action. He didn't praise him for his ethics. He praised him for his action. There are some of us who won't even act in our own behalf. Have you noticed that sometimes um, people have to have something or someone outside of themselves to motivate them to get into action. Um, a sailor sent a hilarious story to Reader's Digest. Um, he wrote that on his first day in the boiler room of a Navy destroyer, it was his duty to open a particular valve, and it was a huge valve. I mean, it was, the valve was the size of an automobile steering wheel. <clears throat> and he said he wasn't a great big, great big guy, and he failed to open the valve. And so he went to the chief... And the chief told him to keep trying that he would send Tiny to help him. Well, soon what appeared was the largest sailor that anybody had ever seen in the Navy. And the sailor grinned, thinking that Tiny would solve his problem. But instead of taking the wheel in hand, Tiny merely pointed to it and said, You open that valve right now. The young sailor got it open. He needed outside motivation, right, to get it moving. 
tiny motivated him to discover a strength he didn't know he had. There are some people who will not get into action even to help ourselves. We have to have someone else motivate us to do what needs doing. A pastor named Richard Stetler tells about two men whom he calls Jim and Bob who worked in the same division at AT&T Wireless. And I don't know if you remember, but AT&T Wireless merged with Singular Wireless in 2005. And when news reached Jim that he was going to be laid off, he grew very bitter. He was 54. He'd been with the company for over 30 years. And immediately he began to lament about company politics and how he'd given his life and sold to AT&T, only to be treated with no respect. He grew extremely fearful. And he said, what company would want to hire a person at my age? Bob, Jim's colleague, was two years older at 56. He was faced with the same possibility about losing his job. However, he began thinking of possibilities. He had friends in human resources at Verizon and all these other smaller companies. He, he had networked with these folks throughout his career. He placed his resume into their hands and carried himself kind of in a hopeful enthusiastic attitude, believing that this was only going to be a blip on his career timeline. He knew he had wealth of experience and institutional memory that younger counterparts in these companies would not have. Regardless of what anybody believes, says Pastor Stetler, there's a barrier that separates these two men. Jim's bitterness did not serve him during his subsequent interviews with other companies. His hurt feelings and unhealed spirit would bleed through. The obvious happened. Bob left his position early and is currently with Verizon, and Jim is still unemployed, seeking employment. Some of you ex have experienced this yourself. Some of you have seen it happen with other people. Some of you have seen it happen with people in divorce. Both of them go through horrible divorces. One pops out and moves right on with life, and the other is wounded and deeply hurting and can't seem to move forward. There are some people who, for whatever reason, become defeated and refuse to act in their own behalf and need somebody to move them forward. The amazing thing is how religious some of the folks are that end up in these places. It may sound a little cruel here, but I think we're talking about a spiritual problem, and I think really this is the underlying theme of this conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. You realize, of course, that one reason people come to religion is that we're afraid. The world's a scary place. Um, religion is a, often a refuge from that fear. <clears throat> religion often helps us deal with a crazy world. So when people have a problem, they pray, and they pray, and they pray some more, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait some more. And all the while, they're being very religious. The problem is that they're praying and praying and waiting and waiting, and God's also waiting for us to do something, to do something about our own situation. Please don't misunderstand me here. God wants us to pray when we're in a difficult situation, and I do it quite often. But God also wants us to act. Pick up the phone. Enlist the help of family and friends. Learn some new skills. Don't sit passively and expect somebody else, including God, to rescue us. Jesus says something interesting at the end of this little parable. The people of this world, said Jesus, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. And the people of the light are the believers, the followers of him. 
Jesus understood how the real world operates. He knew that sometimes even scoundrels are successful, not because they're smarter or more talented, but because they're opportunistic. They're not held back by their fears. They're not held back by their doubts. They have learned to be self-reliant and self-motivated. We have a phrase that's not heard much anymore. I've even used it, and I know you've used it because I've heard you say it. Have you ever heard somebody say, he works like the Dickens? Well, the Dickens is another word for the devil. We've been, he's, he works like the devil to get it done. But that idea comes from the implication that the devil's always busy seeking to achieve his wicked ends. He never misses an opportunity to tempt or to discourage or to embitter. Jesus praised the dishonest, dishonest steward because he did not give in to his fears. He reached out and made friends who would help him when he was out on the street. Jesus obviously would not approve of his methods, but that's another parable. <laughs> we'll do that on another Sunday. Here his purpose is to spotlight the dishonest man's resolve. He was in a predicament and he took action and Jesus praised him. And that's what Jesus often wants of us as well. Not to let discouragement or sit around feeling sorry for ourselves. Yes, pray in all circumstances, but if there's something you can do for yourself, step up and do it. And God may bless all of our efforts. This is the delightful story of a, a man who was shipwrecked on a lonely, unknown desert island of the South Pacific. To his surprise, he found that he was not alone on the island. A large tribe of people shared the island, and amazingly, they welcomed him warmly and treated him very well. In fact, they made him their king and catered to his every desire. He was delighted but puzzled. And why are they treating him in such royal fashion? As his ability to communicate improved, he learned that they had a tribal custom to choose a king for a year. But when the year was over, the king would be transported to a certain island and abandoned. The man's delight instantaneously turned to distress. Things were great now, but soon he would be alone on a desert island by himself. But then he hit on a shrewd plan. He remembered he was king. So he could order people to do whatever he wanted. So over the next several months, he sent members of the tribe to clear the brush off this other island. And they built him a beautiful home, and they planted crops. And then he sent some of his chosen friends to over to that island to wait for him when he is sent there. Then it was time of raining was over. He had put in place a carefully prepared, full of friends island that was delighted to receive him. It's not in Scripture that God helps those who help themselves, by the way. That's Benjamin Franklin. You, sure, you know, you've heard that phrase, God helps those who help themselves. That's Benjamin Franklin. That was in the Poor Man's Almanac in 1757. The saying is only partially true at best. God helps all those who call upon God's name, not just the highly motivated. But God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. If God constantly worked to solve all our problems for us, we would forever remain emotionally and spiritually immature. When we've got a problem, I think the answer is to pray and to work. 
to pray and to engage possible solutions. God wants us to pray, but God also likes people of action. Pray and work. Don't attempt one without the other. And call upon all those around you who can help you both pray and solve the problem. Lord, help us to get into the fray of life with you and work with you to change this world. God, make it so in all of us. Amen. As I was watching the children this morning, I was thinking, you know, Jesus had a very busy ministry. I mean, he was busy for three years. And then he was arriving at this meal, wondering if all that work was just going to end or was it going to continue in the disciples that were there. And I think the same question is for us. Um, you're going to come to this table in a few moments. You're invited to this table. And will that work be carried in you, or will we shirk it off? So as you come today, pray for clarity about the call of Christ on your life, the work that you can do to change this world. We have been invited to create this world with our God. It is a high calling and an adventurous one. May we not shirk and shrink from the possibility. May we run toward it with all our might. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. After the meal, he likewise took the cup, blessed it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood shed for you and the sins of many. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. This is the feast of the Lord for all of you. I notice that we have quite a few visitors today. You are hardly welcome to the table of the Lord. This is not our table. It's not the United Methodist table. It's the Lord's table, and you are hardly welcome. We receive the bread and take it and dip it in the cup by intention as we receive. This morning I'm going to ask the Hattons if they will help me, and will Brenda and Mary Lee, the O'Neill sisters, help me on this side? That would be great. Once they're in place, you are hardly welcome to come forward.
have a few announcements we need to make aware uh, for you. We've got a lot of things going on in the church, actually. Today is very important um, for the youth ministry. It's one of our biggest fundraisers we do every year. Um, it's our pasta bake fundraiser. It's in this room at 11 o'clock. So if you go to Sunday school and come back, the food will be ready for you. It'll be here in this back left corner. Just come and pick it up and go. All the donations um, that we receive will be going to funding our trips and scholarships for students who, who need that. So please uh, make it a point to come out from 11 to 1 at any point. And we would love to have you. If you have any questions, please let me know. Um, the nominating committee is at work. I love the title of that slide. They are at work. And they're currently working to find and recruit church leadership. So please pray for this committee and prayerfully consider leadership if you're asked to do so. Um, Sunday school and small groups, um, a few more class options would, we, would be welcome. We mentioned a couple weeks ago in the combined service of uh, the opportunity to create a new small group or a new Sunday school class if you feel led to do so. We, we will empower you. We will help train. We will provide the curriculum if this is something that you are interested in. So um, if that is the case, please let us know. We would love to get you plugged in in that way. Uh, the special offering for this month is the USM Wesley Foundation. So if that's something that you would like to donate to, please um, put USM Wesley uh, in the memo line of your check to us, and uh, that money will go to support the students and what they're doing on campus and across the world. They're doing a lot of cool things at the Wesley Foundation. Lastly, for our fundraiser, we on this side, so my left, your right, we will need the back three rows chairs stacked up and pushed to the side, and we'll need two tables um, moved over there. And that's it. Don't have to do the whole room. Don't have to get everybody to do everything. So uh, if we could have a little help with that, we would be good to go. So, and I think that is it. So thank you so much, and please enjoy your Sunday. <laughs> 